Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi everyone, it's so lovely to have your company this week. Before I introduce today's special guest, I want to quickly take a moment to thank the listeners who've reviewed the show. I so enjoy reading your feedback and would like to encourage you all to subscribe to The Ghost Files and leave us a review as that helps more listeners discover the show. Thank you. This, this is the thing that really shocked me was I went to the spot, I was, as I was telling everyone where I, was, where I had seen this man, I went to the spot where I, he stood so I could show everyone how I thought I saw someone. I was wearing a longish skirt and as I stood in his spot, my skirt just swished and one of the other girls said, did you just see that? She goes, stand back, stand back. Let me tell you guys, this place is haunted. You're listening to The Ghost Files the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary stories about their experiences with the spirit world. My name is Karina Machado. I'm a journalist who spent more than a decade sharing stories about the spirit world through my books, Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell and Love Never Dies, as well as my podcasts, Spirit Sisters and now this show, The Ghost Files. Today on the line from Melbourne, we have Mary, will never forget what happened during a school excursion to a beautiful stately home. But that wasn't the only experience she had seeing a visitor from the past inside an historic building in her home city. Here's Mary to tell us all about it. Hello Mary and welcome to The Ghost Files. Thank you. It's very nice to have you on. Now tell us a little bit about yourself. My name's Mary. I'm 56 years old, married to children, living in Melbourne, uh, currently on semi-retirement. Um, I have had a working life in the fashion industry and hospitality. I like to cook. I like to sew. I like to garden. Ah, <laughs> that's, that's basically me. <laughs> Great. Thank you for that lovely summary. Now, um, one of the things that I remember you telling me as we've been chatting ahead of this our conversation today is that you always sensed that you were a little bit different. Now, tell us about that. Why did you sense that and what's your first memory of knowing that? I I think I was a lonely child um, and possibly being one of the first uh, to be born in Australia, my parents and family came from Greece. Uh, there were um, older children in the family, mostly boys, who may have been born in Greece or born before I was. So I had no real company. Um, so my head was in books a lot. Mm. Um, I, and as I was younger, I always thought that there was something not right because I would see things and people not knowing that they were ghosts and just think, why is everybody ignoring that thing or that person and I began to think that I was crazy as I got old I thought oh, that I must be one of those crazy people yeah, yeah we second guess ourselves and certainly yes. so many of yeah. my interviewees have shared um, that very experience of feeling that they're going crazy um, yes tell us an example of a moment where you're out somewhere whether out or at home and you you see someone and you think why is that 
person being ignored and they're actually not a physical person. Yeah, sometimes I see things and I, as you say, you second guess yourself because it's like, come on, grow up. This this is not, you know, this is insane. You, you don't see things. Ghosts don't exist. But it's just a sense of someone sits next to me but there's no one there. Um, someone calls me. Sometimes I've heard my name being called. Oh, yeah. And I think it's friends and I turn around and then I just think I, I am going nuts because I'm always hearing my name. But there was one time I remember being called or no an older lady's voice said to me oh you're finally going to listen and it was so loud the lady next to me looked around too and I thought okay we're both nuts so (laughs) it's just hearing things and just ignoring them because these things don't happen you know I'm trying to convince myself that I'm making it up so so she said the voice said you're finally going to listen is that right yes (laughs) yes because I I looked up from my lunch I was I I was because being in in work and of course surrounded by noise and people it's easy to mishear things so that's what I always thought you know other people are calling other people but I was walking um, I was just sitting down to have some lunch and just someone saying to me hey you hey you hey you and I'm like oh no I can't I'm not I'm not working right now I'm having my lunch break and then when I looked up and there was no one there but I did hear the voice oh you're finally going to listen and I thought Mm. okay this is getting a bit too much and someone else heard it too that's extraordinary oh well that's what I thought because the the lady at the table next to me because I used to work in a a large department store which I'm convinced beyond doubt is haunted okay and as I looked up so did she, and we looked at each other, and um, it, it was almost we were conspiring together to sort of deny what was happening. Right. That was the feeling I got between us. Oh wow! Yeah. And and so, Mary, you were quite young when you had the experience that you're about to tell us about that happened yes. during a school excursion. So you yes. were in year seven or thereabouts. Oh, yeah, right? I don't I, because being frightened and having no one to speak to it. To about, mm. I can't even remember if it was primary school, as in you know, year six, or if it was um, junior high school, year seven. Okay. So it was roughly around 12, 13, maybe even 14. Okay. And um, we were on excursion to Coma House. Okay, um, which is a historic uh, home in Melbourne. Yes, um, owned. Oh, I can't even. Uh, the Armitage family. They were, yes, um, that's right. Uh, an established family and and built the home, and I believe eventually may have left it to um, the government, and they. It's open for um, tours. I think you can. Um, there's a restaurant on near. Uh, sorry, a cafe on the ground. That's you right. Can, yeah. Um, yeah. So we were uh, a day excursion, the whole class, and we were being shown each room and the tour guide was telling us about um, each room. I remember being excited about the ballroom because he said the floor was sprung and you can, you know, run across it. And I was just looking forward to running across the <laughs> dance floor. And we'd gone upstairs and he was telling us about one of the young girls, uh, one of the girls who had died very young. And he said, this is her room. And it was a really tiny, pokey room. And he said, now, and as he's telling the story, of course, as kids, you know, you you switch off because talk is boring. But what fascinated me was when he said, now, if you come up to the window, you can actually see um, she etched her name in the window with her diamond ring. The family was wealthy and obviously had finery and 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 things like that. So I thought, oh, I have to see this. And because the room was small, we all had to line up to take turns to go to the window. And as I was waiting my turn and, you know, I was always one of those quiet children, didn't want to draw attention to myself, so I just stood there. And as I was trying to get into the door, I looked up and I saw a girl and I did think to me she, myself, she looked odd. 
like, I remember white uh, clothing, um, and I thought, oh, where is she from? And she just said, you can't come in here. I did not think that it was that her. I just thought it was some a classmate or from or one of the other classes who I didn't recognise. And then I just stood at the door and my friends were going in and they're going, come in. And I was like, no, no, I can't. And they go, why not? And I said, that girl told me I can't come in. And they looked at her and they said, which girl? I said, that girl. And they're going, oh, Mary, stop being stupid. Come in. They're laughing. And I said, no, no, she won't let me. And because I was one of those children who was so scared. If I was told, don't touch that, I wouldn't touch it. Yeah, so, yeah. And it was only, I think, when I finally accepted that in high school I sort of could see things and, and hear things that I started to look into that and realise that I actually saw um, saw the ghost of the little girl. And all I just – I don't remember her body. I don't remember her height. It was just this – her face, a white collar um, and unruly hair. I remember it was just a mess. She was, she was tiny and I just thought, mm. oh, I did see her. I did see her. I'm not making it up. I'm not going crazy. I did see her. Wow. So it took a few years, but eventually you you decided that, yes, what you had seen was a ghost and you'd seen yes. the ghost of, well, I just, I was Googling uh, Como House earlier. And yes, as you say, the family that owned the home was the Armitages. They had nine children. And, oh, wow. Yep. And one of them, Ethel, died when she was seven of diphtheria. <sighs> Well, yes, that's yeah. yeah. That would be fitting with what I saw. It was a, a young girl. Oh. That she was not letting me in her room, and I think I think that was the thing that because it was her room, and that was why she was upset. So I could see how angry she was that all these people were coming into her room. And but I actually heard it. She stopped me. She said, "You can't come in here." And so. it's interesting that you said that she was tiny because she was only seven, and when yeah. she passed, and she would have been much smaller than the other children, even if you were twelve. Yeah, thirteen. She yeah. was still much littler, and yes. which which might have made her stand out to you as well, maybe. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Makes sense. That's yeah. amazing. And so, but as you say, your school friends they weren't so accepting. Yeah. They were laughing at you and just yeah. not not understanding. I remember it being silly, you know, making things up. And I'm sure that's what a lot of people would have said. You know, you don't think of these things because you just think everyone's just picking on me. But because I would see things and I just accepted that they were real, that if I made any comment, I was laughed at a lot because, yeah. of like, you know, because I'm thinking, yeah, can't you see that? Or I can see, here's something. And people are like, what are you talking about? So, And I think that as a, while I was very young, I shut off a lot. I mm. shut it down. It was quite scary because it was I didn't know what it was I thought I was going crazy and also you didn't have any sort of support network because you know no. you, you as you mentioned um at home it wasn't really a topic that you could openly share no you could you couldn't tell um European parents anything like that all they knew was get up in the morning go and work hard come yeah. home make sure dinner was on the <laughs> table look after your brothers and three junior brothers do your homework and be good that's all absolutely <laughs> I think so many people will relate to what you're saying, you know, and so yes. we, so yeah, we've shut ourselves off to that very important aspect of ourselves, which is that connection absolutely. to the invisible world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and and so Mary, it seems like this. So this moment of seeing the girl yep. at Como House was quite a turning point for you, although that yes. didn't really become apparent until, as you say, years later when you were an older teenager in high school yes. and you realised that this was actually true. Yes. Um, what else happened to contribute to your understanding that you were in tune with something that others didn't seem to have access to? Um, I was about 20 and I was working 
in the basement of the Manchester Unity Building. Um, there used to be a cinema in there. Okay. And um, I sitting there one day, minding my – it was quiet. I, was, I think I was doing some paperwork. So I sat up high on a desk and I quickly – before computers, before anything. So everything was done on a register by hand. And I felt that someone was waiting in line and I was ignoring them. So I thought, oh, sorry. And I actually did say, oh, sorry, sir. And then I thought, there's no one there. And I got the impression of a man. That's why I was about to say, oh, sorry, sir, I didn't say he's standing there. Mm-hmm. But there was no one there. And I thought, oh, that was weird. That dismissed it. And it wasn't until um, one night late, another quiet night, some of the staff are sitting around. And of course, spooky nights, everyone starts talking about ghost stories. And mm. then I thought, I'm not going to tell anyone because, I, you know, I could be imagining it. And an older man who was the projectionist said, oh, I don't believe in ghost stories, but let me tell you some weird things have been happening here. And I thought, oh, my ears picked up. Mm. He said, I've come in and I've found my film wound backwards. Oh, wow. And then the younger projectionist who was really dismissive and he goes, oh, okay. He said, that's really funny you say that. He said, because the other night I'm sure I switched off all the lights and when I came in the lights were all on. And then I quick, quietly said, let me tell you guys, this place is haunted. Everyone sort of, the, the, the two men laughed. The girls were like, tell us, tell us. And I said, someone is here. I said, I've seen them standing in front of my desk. As I got up and I said, oh, I, I said, they stand here. So the girls were really curious. Now, this this is the thing that really shocked me was I went to the spot. I was As I was telling everyone where I, where I had seen this man, I went to the spot where he stood so I could show everyone how I thought I saw someone. Mm. And in the, I was wearing a longish skirt. And as I stood in his spot, my skirt just swished and one of the other girls said, did you just see that? She goes, stand back, stand back. And I said, what, what, what? I thought, and I didn't know why she was, what she was referring to. And then she said, now step into that spot again. And then everyone said, because oh, my skirt would um, swish like a, there was like a little breeze just in the spot where this person stood. Okay. So one of the girls was really excited. I was a little bit, okay, this is too much for me to handle. Um, she said, I'm going to start looking into what's happened here. Something's happened here. So, you know, Weeks went by and everyone just ignored everything. I kept seeing this gentleman and Did you? You I kept thought, you, yeah, so kept did he still become like he was yeah. yeah, every every day I would see him in that spot and I thought, Oh, this is getting a bit much so I thought I need to say something, I need to contact obviously I've not seen him up until this point. Now I'm seeing him every day. So the next day I thought, be brave because I am a bit of a scaredy cat. Um, when when I thought I saw him, I looked up and I walked around and I I didn't feel him there anymore, but I just said, hello, can I help you? Can I do anything for you? Oh. And I didn't see him. Then a few days later, I'm again at my desk, minding my business. Now, this is di- he used to appear directly in front. As I sit on my at my desk, to the left of the desk is the cinema entrance, and I now feel he's walked out from the cinema on my left side and I turned around because I thought I felt him and I thought, oh, that's him. But I thought that he's in a dis- different spot. But as soon as I looked up, I felt he was gone. So I thought, okay, keep calm. And then that night when my colleague started, she said, oh, I found out who it is. I found out who it is. And I said, oh, who? She said, directly above us, she said it, there was a jewellery robbery and three men were killed. Oh. And she said, um, 
she said they were all. I think she said they were middle-aged. I don't, um, and she couldn't give me any description. She said they were they three men, and I said, oh, well. This man looked old to me, but then when you're 20, anything over 30 mm. is old, I guess. So I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he was any particular age. I just knew he was older, and I saw him um, as light rather than, you know, um, clear hair, eyes, or anything. So he was sort of whitish, if that makes sense, okay. as a figure. So he didn't look like a flesh and blood person. He was more like it was a sense. It was just this scheme. So I, I never, I, unless, how do I describe it? If I focus, of course, they disappear. It's this mm. sense I get of an outline. Okay, um, yes. And I can say, oh, it's an old man, it's an old lady, it's a child. Um, I, yeah, I don't see I don't see them clearly. It's just this outline. Sure. And I, I sense the presence rather than see it completely. I understand, yes, yes. Yeah, so um, I thought, oh, that's really scary. And, the, oh, the really important thing, which I must say is, the reason I felt so scared and I didn't want to do anything was when I started to see him, I had this overwhelming sense of dread, in fear, total fear oh. that something bad was going to happen. I couldn't understand that and I thought I don't, that's what made me think, oh, it goes so bad, I'm scared of ghosts, I don't want to see them anymore because this utter fear and I was in fear. Right. And when the, my colleague said there was a burglar in and I said that makes sense. They were obviously knew what was coming. They were obviously thinking we could die here, and yeah. So I, I was feeling that that was the dread. That, so you were um, picking up, yeah, picking up there. That was yeah, because yeah. yeah, I, I uh, yeah, there's this sense that I got that oh, something's going to happen. It's going to happen. So uh, wow, Mary, that, yeah, that made sense. So then I was a bit calmer, and I thought, oh my goodness, and I, I, I guess if something is that traumatic, I tend to believe that people can't leave if something is traumatic, that there's something unfinished and that's what I felt I was sensing, that he couldn't leave. Well, he, yes. Well, there is a yeah. theory that, yes, definitely, as you say, and there's also yeah. another theory that says that traumatic events do leave a certain imprint on the atmosphere yeah. as well. And that is I an old building. So just yeah. for our listeners who might not be familiar, the Manchester Unity Building in Melbourne is quite a famous building, isn't it, Mary? Yes, yes it and is. It, it was yeah. built around the 1930s. And, yes. Um, yeah, so it's seen a lot. Uh, it was high commercial. A lot of money was poured into it. It had some of the first of everything um, Lots, and then by the time 70s, 80s came around, it was more. There were more jewelers in there, some small businesses, some tailors. Um, the commerce side of it had gone. Um, but then, um, in I believe the 2000s, a dentist bought the building and has refurbished it to its original oh, okay. uh, features. And I actually did a tour to find out. Um, uh, Last year to find out about the building. Oh, did you? And so it's still yes. you're still fascinated by that place. Still, I was just I couldn't believe like what was my connection just because I worked there and yeah. um, the lady was telling us about all the things that had happened and when she said um, about the burglary, I went up to her just after that section and I said. I used to work here and I saw their, I saw one of the ghosts and she said, I wouldn't be surprised. So she wow. did. She, yeah, she obviously knew that there would be presences in the building. She wasn't shocked by what she had, I had to say. And it's interesting that um, your colleagues, you know, because back then, when was this sort of yeah. the 90s, was it, Mary? Uh, when I worked there, yeah. it was 80, 80s. 80, oh, 82. 
82. Okay. 80, yeah, 80, yeah, 81, 82, 83 because I stayed with this company for a little while. Okay, so it's not so yeah. easy back then pre-internet to research. Yes. So your colleagues have gone to some effort to try and yeah. dig up what's happened there. And yes. when, what sort of time frame was the robbery in and the murders? Um, I believe it was the late 70s. Oh, so not long oh, before. No, not long before. Um, and uh, I, like in the 70s, I was a teen at school, so I don't even know if I ever watched it on the news or knew, had any idea about it. Mm-hmm. And it was only after seeing the ghost that um, I realised. And it wasn't the first burglar in the building because after that, of course, you're fascinated because it's now something real. And we would sort of keep uh, from this uh, colleague um, who was just fascinated by stuff yeah. like this. She kept trying to find out more. She said there were more bur- um, more burglaries. I said, I don't want to know about any more deaths. I don't want to see yes. any more ghosts. <laughs> but, um, but it was her pushing me to find out. She said, don't be scared. She said, don't be scared. This is all fantastic. And she was fascinated by it all. It is. It is fascinating. And did you have a sense that that was a way that was sort of validating to all of your life experiences and seeing the – Oh, without a doubt. When I I could – when and of course by then when I had to, then told them about the girl in Kama House, did mm-hmm. a little bit of research on that, and then it was like, so I'm not nuts. I yeah. actually I actually see people, and um, you know, and um, them trying to say something. Um, and I guess if you're not open to it because you don't believe it or if you're scared, you're not going to hear what they're saying. And that's what I, I found, that they were always trying to say something, but I, in my own fear and yes. um, to a point ignorance, I couldn't hear what they were trying to say. Yes. And and because just briefly going back to the girl at Como, she has mm. been seen. She's known for being seen. Um, and also her mum, Caroline, has been seen as well in the home. So it's a famously haunted building. Yeah. And the next time I'm in Melbourne, I must make sure I visit. Yeah, see, I, now, knowing stuff like that, I, I, I was speaking to a, a friend. Now, we've been friends since um, high school. She is obsessed about ghost stories <laughs> and she reminds me of stuff that I forgot. She goes, oh, remember, you wouldn't go into that house. Remember when she said house? And you said, I'm not going in, there's, there's a bad vibe. And she's telling me all these stories that I've actually forgotten about. <laughs> wow. Or maybe I don't want to remember. Yes. And she's always um, nudging me to do ghost tours with her. And I said, you go right ahead. I'm quite happy to not go. I'll let them come to me. I don't want to go to them. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Mary, have there been any other significant experiences that you'd like to share with us? Um, I have seen my dad. I think that was the only ghost I really wanted to see. Oh, um, what happened then? Uh, when dad passed away, dad was ill for a while and he died very young. He was only um, 54 when he passed away. Oh, that is um, young. I'm course, sorry to hear that. It, yeah. Uh, it was really sad. We were prepared for it, but it's still a shock. Um and because you think your parents are going to be here forever. Mm. And um, I was living with um, – I was married and living with my in-laws at the time. And shortly after he passed, I would catch glimpses of Dad in the mirror, like behind, standing behind me. And of course, I'd look up and he wasn't there. And I was comforted by that because it's my dad. And yes. I wasn't scared to see my dad. So I wanted to see my dad all of the time. And, mm. you know, I had a lot of people trying to talk me out of it saying, are oh, you only seeing dad because you want to see him? And I said, no, I sense him. Um, I also think it wasn't the drugs. I will deny it was the drugs. When I gave birth to my son and I was, of course, hyped up on, on drugs because it was so painful, yeah. <laughs> um, I saw my dad sitting at 
my, on my bed after they had taken us up to the ward and tucked us in for the night. And um, it was a very traumatic birth. I was in a lot of pain, a lot of drugs. Uh, Jake was um, not a happy baby when he was born. Mm. And I saw my dad sitting there and I just reached out to him and I said, oh, Dad, how did I do? And he said to me, you did good. Oh. And, I thought, and then, of course, when I was telling everyone, I saw my dad, they go, this is drugs. I go, it wasn't the drugs. I saw my dad. I saw my dad and they're like, sure sure you did that's beautiful um, reminder that yeah, he's with so you it still is, yeah, yeah. That's, that, I think that I wanted to hear that I was quite close to my dad and whether I wished it or I don't know but I know I felt him and I would always see him and and then we moved to the current house we've been here 17 years mm. as soon as we moved in and this was now our own home I saw my father in diminished stature and a different color because I I tend to see people whitish but I saw my dad almost dark brown figure and I had asked someone about it and they said to me um your father can feel that you're settled and he's finally letting you go so I so I thought oh that sort of makes sense too because I always as I said I always wanted to see my dad not having him there I would look for him everywhere like I'd, I'd want to dream about him I'd sort of talk out loud um, sometimes I felt his presence. My mother has some really amazing experiences um, with my dad after he passed because it wasn't until my son was eight years old that I found out that my mother was like me and she oh. just didn't, didn't want to talk about it. There because, you go. You know, Greek people don't believe in things like that. It belongs to the devil. You don't talk about things like sure. that. You believe in God. You go to church. And she never talked about it until my son showed signs. And then oh. she said, I was like that when I was little. And I said, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Because I lived in fear all my life. She goes, well, I don't know. You don't talk about those things. So your little boy shows signs. Yeah, well, he's now an adult and yeah. he doesn't believe in it anymore because yeah. he's a science man uh-huh. and he can't remember a single thing about it. Course, I said, you yeah. don't remember saying this? You don't remember doing it? He said, nope. He said, you're making it up, Mum. I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> oh, sadly, it's a common story that, you know, things that we experience in childhood we later forget. We have a lot of um, children in the family that that's happened to, and we've all made the connection that once they hit puberty, they forget it all. Yes. So many yes. of them. That's, yeah. That is a time when, yeah, and, you yes. know, the teenage years with all of ev- yeah, everything that comes is, with that, you know, you set it aside and the material yeah. world becomes prominent and the only yes. thing, yeah. Yeah, it's oh, quite fascinating. Yeah. It's such a fascinating topic, Mary. So after a lifetime of these experiences, what have you come yeah. to believe about life after death and the survival of our consciousness? Um, we come back. I believe it's like a tourist agent <laughs> and you just go, this this trip I think I want to be, you know, experience this in life. I, I truly believe in the afterlife, in the circle of life that we come back. I always did but I, when I was younger but never knew how to express it. And I will argue black and blue now that that's what I believe in because I've seen I've seen people, I don't understand why some go, some come, why we see them at certain stages, but I know we do and I know they're there and it's just we keep coming around. Mm. That's what I believe. Mm-hmm. And so to finish up, Mary, here's what I ask all of my guests on The Ghost mm-hmm. Files. What can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? Speak to your loved ones. Speak to people. Connect with people because if you don't finish everything here, they'll come back to you after life. My father used to have this saying and he used to say everything gets paid here and I never understood it as a child. And I think what he was trying to say to me is settle up all your mm-hmm. accounts mm-hmm. because life is unfinished. So you, set, you settle in this life so that you can move on to the next. Yeah, wow, that's that's quite a powerful message, isn't it, as well? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much, Mary, for your time today. It's been thank lovely speaking. Thank you for speaking. listening. <laughs> thank you for opening up The Ghost Files with us. I'm Karina Machado, and we'll be back next week with more True Life Tales of Spooky Encounters. So please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps others just like you to find the podcast. In the meantime, you can check out my other podcast about mysteries and marvels, Spirit Sisters, based on my best-selling book. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time for more Goosebumps. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.